0: Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June 2024. Good luck.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care.
2: From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. Some called it pokey, and it really was only very small. But the original site of Le Gavroche on Lower Sloane Street was the epicentre of a huge change in London's culture. The Brothers Rue, Albert and Michel, didn't just open a restaurant in 1967. They started a revolution. They took the capital from a city of cafes to a global reputation for gastronomic greatness. The first restaurant in Britain to win a Michelin star. The first to get two. And when they moved to a bigger premises on Upper Brook Street, they finally got three and kept them for 11 years. Abel saint Michel Jr. took over in 1993 and has maintained its reputation throughout. Its tables are still among the most sought after in this city. But soon there will be no more bookings. Le Gavroche is to close early next year. I'm emotionally drained, Michel's told the Evening Standard. I'm knackered. He spoke to our Reveler editor, David Ellis. He's with me now. So the first question I was going to ask you was what it's like to dine at this restaurant. And then I remembered, you've cooked there.
0: I have indeed, <laughs> actually. <Yeah. laughs> I had a much better time dining than cooking, I should tell you. <laughs> um, Butter your moulds because it doesn't stick. What are you doing now? I'm buttering my moulds. Where are my moulds? beg your pardon. I made the triple cooked cheese souffle and it was a horrible mess because <laughs> I'm not a professional cook. When you go in though, it is it is quite a curious restaurant because you go down this basement and it's really old fashioned because it's basically untouched. It's almost like a museum. It's mm. kind of a tribute to the past. The food has changed slightly over the years. Um, Michelle has updated and all those things. But when you go in there, you, you are seeing a little slice of history, and I think actually that's part of the reason that people are a little bit upset that it's gone. Yeah. It's a real connection to the past. So you know when you go into an opera house or a theatre or wherever, and you know that people have been coming in here for centuries in some mm-hmm. cases, and certainly decades, that's a bit like it is when you go and Gavros. You think, this is somewhere that in 1974 or eighty two or 91 or something, they would have had the same experience. And that kind of made it really special.
2: Yeah, before the Ruse took it over, mm-hmm. What was London food like?
0: So this is actually a really interesting point because in the mid '60s, because they started in '67, in the mm-hmm. mid '60s, you mostly had hotel restaurants or you had cafés, and you didn't really have anything in between. Um, and when the Ruse started this, they basically made it very important that you had fresh ingredients every day they would go over to france and get bits and pieces and they would sort of mean that all the standards that we expect from restaurants at the moment and that can be your basic restaurant you expect these things from they brought all of that in the only slight note on this that I should say, in fairness, <laughs> is that when they won their first star, they were one of 10 restaurants to win a star. So it's not like there was only them. It's just the other places get, forget- uh, for- get forgotten sorry, <laughs> because, you know, they shut down and all of that. So that's some of the myth around Gavroche is, is myth.
2: Yeah, but it, it does have a landmark place in the, the culinary history of London, doesn't it? It did change things. I mean, you said it basically raised standards for everyone.
0: well enormously so and I think also it changed our perception of what a chef is Um, our former critic uh, Faye Mashler wrote this very good line legendary critic legendary critic (laughs) the, the biggest and the best of them all and uh Faye said, before the brothers rue, who knew chefs had names? <laughs> and it completely just shifted the perspective that it wasn't just a hard, horrible job stuffed in the kitchen. You could actually find it to be aspirational. You could find that there's a real career mm. here. You could make a name being a chef. And and for the UK and the restaurants at the time, no one dreamed of doing that. But they also bought through so many other chefs who had seen them and been inspired by them that... It just changed our dining scene in, in sort of a completely, in a way that was completely unimaginable before.
2: Yeah, and a lot of those other chefs became household names. Marco Pierre White.
0: It Marco Pierre White. Gordon Ramsay, yeah. uh, huge names who then trained all these other people, but even people like Pierre Kaufman, mm. who is a, a two-star chef, one of the great French chefs, Open of Tante Claire, uh, which was a massive restaurant in the 70s in its own right. He went through that. Or Roly Lee, who's just come back in Notting Hill last week, mm. you know, considered to be the godfather of modern British cooking, along with the likes of de Little. He trained under them. and looked, <laughs> So y- you could trace a map, and if you trace that map, An awful lot of it would go back to the Rue Brothers and go back to Gavroche.
2: It's like the the ripples, reverberation heading out all the way across London there, inspiring people to eat better and cook better as well.
0: Yeah, of course. Was
2: it recently, was it that good
0: though? So, although I've cooked there, personally I haven't eaten there for many years where I had... When I had the triple-cooked cheese souffle, it was just mind-boggling. Some of it, I would say, hasn't moved with the times, but that's not necessarily the point at the restaurant. I do know that uh, my colleague Josh Barry went fairly recently uh, and said that he had a really wonderful night. So th- th- to answer your question, I don't personally know any more If Gavroche is as it was once upon a time, but I hear good things. And the service there is is unreal, by the way. I think
2: we should talk about the service, actually, because, again, not just the food, but the actual serving of it was very, very different to what people were experiencing. In a lot of places around London, you weren't just getting your...
0: Your egg and chips <laughs> down in front of you. <laughs> no, I mean you get full silver service there, yeah. um, and actually that made it that makes it today quite an outlier. You don't get places that do it in mm. quite the same way. So again, you get that historical mix, but also you go back and so many of the staff have worked there for so long that people go in and they're recognising the smell. Or there's very famously there's the twins there, and they've worked there for sort of 20 or. Oh, gosh it might not even be longer than that They've they're so long and people go in and they talk to the twins because they recognize them and you do really get that experience where you know it's almost like no don't pour your own wine now if you want to they have moved with the times they'll let you but it's a very much an experience that you are king or queen of that dining room and every guest <laughs> should feel like that which i think is is special and, and very different
2: Let's go to the ads, and in the next part, we'll hear more from David and what Michelle Rue Jr. told him about the reasons behind his decision. In the meantime, hit your follow button to make sure you get the leader delivered to you at 4 p.m. every day. We'll be back in a sec.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. wherever you get your podcast, Thanks for listening.
0: And then we will go to the dining room and tea. taste. Looking good? Okay. you need a little bit more. And you said 30 seconds. That's, That's probably the worst thing I've ever seen on a plate. <laughs> to the dining room. To the judgment table.
2: So you haven't eaten there for a while, but when you were there destroying the legendary <laughs> soup, in front of Michel Rouge, Rougu- Rougu- you're right yes. in front of it. Yes, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Did you? This was only earlier this year. I think it was about April. Did mm. you get an impression that this was a place that was going to be closing down?
0: I didn't know. Um, and actually what I did get an impression of is how incredibly tightly that kitchen is run and how everything is prepared, and actually what an imposition it was for us to even go in. <laughs> so I felt very, very grateful um, uh, to, to Michelle for letting us go in. What I would say is that I spoke to Michelle during the pandemic and he lost his father and he lost his uncle within the space of a year and his business looked like it was going under and he sounded quite weary at the time mm. and said that he was thinking about throwing in the towel and then he didn't to his credit and he got that business back and he's made it a success it is fully booked it's been fully booked for months even before this announcement um i think something that you might think was more of an indication is that they cut the lunch service and they never bought that back and actually they don't open it every single night anymore either so there is a sense if you look at it and you're paying attention that it was winding down anyway sure. and i think we also have to remember that uh, life in the kitchen is really hard and yeah, if you work long days and you are there all day, and it, it, because of the preparation involved, chefs work there long days. And Michel insists that he's there because it's very important to him. Because people expect to see him there. Mm-hmm. Not like when you go to Heston Blumenthal's restaurant, you don't expect to see Heston. You go to Gavroche, you expect to see Michel. So he does that. So he puts in so much effort that once you get into your sixties, and most people are thinking about retiring anyway. Yeah. But most chefs in his position with that sort of recognition. And held those two stars for his entire career that he's had that restaurant. You, you know, most of them would have set back donkey's years before. He's done very well. And he's been there and longer with the Gavroche brand than his father or uncle ever were.
2: Yeah, no, that's true. He's 63 now, isn't he? Yeah. and And he has had that longevity because. The family kind of sold it to him
0: Yes, when he was much, much younger. I do remember this quite funny, and <laughs> I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he uh, once told me, I said, so obviously when you inherited the, the restaurant, and he went, no, no, no. <laughs> they sold it to me, and I had to buy it off them. And I thought, well, yeah, I suppose a business is a business. Yeah. And it just shows you, you know, we just assume that he walked into this. He still had to work for it. Yes.
2: Is he going to continue working? He's closed down this restaurant now, but he is still Michel Roux. He's still a big name.
0: People are going to want to work with this. For sure. And I mean, obviously, he's going till January with this, Mm. um, but he also, they've got a bit of a sort of late summer early autumn break and he's taking it on the Cunard liner across New York so it's Gavroche at sea for I think seven nights uh, and then also the, he's just got pop-ups planned but one of the things that was really important in the way that he was speaking about it or seemed important in the way that he was speaking was he wants to be a master of the brand not it be the master of him and mm-hmm. I think when you work with something that's a global, globally recognised name you kind of just have to do what the public expect of you and I think he's just gone, why? I'm Michelle Virginia. Like I don't need to. I'll do a pop-up here and there because people will want to eat his, his food. They will want him in their restaurants but I'll do it at my own pace and actually that's Kind of impressive. And he also was saying, I want more time with my family. I want more time. He just had a second grandchild. I want yep. more time with that. I want time to go to restaurants that I haven't actually had a chance to see in donkeyshires because I've been at all the others. <laughs> but you know what? That's a fair point, really, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> to be able to go and enjoy
2: somebody else's cooking, which yeah. is probably... He doesn't really get to do very often. No, I mean, you
0: know, <laughs> he, he's invited to everything. Yes. But he doesn't go to everything because he can't, because well, he's it's working. Yeah. So I think that, that there's a sense that, uh, no, if people have read the piece in the paper today, they'll see that it feels almost as if, yes, the restaurant's life is winding down, mm. but his is getting going in a way that he has control over. Um, and I, I did ask him if Gavroche had been an albatross around his neck, which is an impolite question. And he said no, because he loves it, but he said it is a lot, and it has been a lot. And actually, I think now you get the idea that he's taking control of what he wants, not just going, I've got this massive restaurant that I have to just maintain at all costs. That seems quite sensible to me.
2: That last night at Le Gavroche in January is going to be one heck of an evening in London, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I, I think... I don't know who's gonna be able to go, as in who will be able to book it, <laughs> or if he's gonna do a it's party.
2: now, David, it's gone. It will <laughs> be
0: gone. I wonder if he'll do something like, he'll just have all his old chefs who ever cooked there, or staff, or loyal guests, and have them all in. And that would be really, really lovely. Because um, I just think it would just be a real sign off to that. But I mean, there'll be a lot of people who want to celebrate. I mean, there are other food writers and, and critics, and restaurateurs who've yeah. asked me, like, should we all get a table together? And it's like, yes, but who the hell's going to ask for it because none of us can book it. So we're all, it's that weird thing of like, we all want to go, but yeah. we can't get in. And some of these people you think, well, you should be able to get in anywhere, but you still can't because it's, it's so popular.
2: Also, which newspaper's picking up the bill for that table is the
0: other <laughs> <one>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then, so why did David Ellis get fired? <laughs> 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 he went to last night and didn't want to pay for it himself. <laughs>
2: And that's the leader. David's interview with Michelle Rue is in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. And so is that video of him mangling a souffle. The leader is back every day at 4 p.m. We'll see you then.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.